Hello and welcome to Planet Wool, a podcast from the International Wool Textile Organization. We would like to say thank you to the Australian Wool Innovation and the Woolmark Company for supporting the production of this podcast. Australian Wool Innovation and the Woolmark Company, owned by and working for Australian wool growers across research, development and marketing of the world's greatest fibre. At Planet Wool, we bring you a series of wool industry experts from the 85th Congress of the International Wool Textile Organization. The speaker of today's episode is Phil Dickinson, founder and creative director of Some Ideas. His presentation title is Who Invited You? Enjoy Phil Dickinson, founder and creative director of Some Ideas. Yeah, amazing setup there. I feel like a prize fighter, so if anybody fancies it, come on down. Um, I'm going to talk to you today about um, a couple of things. Firstly, um, a couple of subjects which have been touched on um, earlier in the conference in some of the um, presentations that I've heard about the how to manage your interaction with global consumers through the internet and all the opportunities that provides. And then also um, just some like words of warning maybe when you're starting to do that and then how you might uh, project forward and create um, the next generation of um, amazing wool business. Okay, so the first, uh, first thing I want to say is that it's um, the second time I've presented to you guys, and it's always a pleasure. Um, I really love the, uh, the, uh, the design of your logo, but also what it represents in terms of it being um, a brand of the finest quality, if you like, it's, yeah, really um, identifying one of the best materials in the world. Um, it's obviously got an amazingly rich heritage. This is an old um, etching I found of a merino um, ram. And it uh, says uh, the distinguished Australian merino. And I think that's true of the, uh, of the Woolmark brand as well. You are a, an organisation which celebrates the provenance of your product. And you use global icons to do that, which I think, again, is an amazing achievement and something to be celebrated. Engaging people like Alexander Wang in campaigns is um, to be commended. And overall, I think that you represent this, um, this idea of your industry with consistency, quality, heritage, and provenance, and that's really important. And I love the way in which you um, utilize the, uh, the sheep in your communication. I wish I was the manager of a sheep, because I'd probably be a millionaire by now with the amount of images you guys use. Um, the message you project is um, extremely strong, and I think it's um, sometimes unusually in today's uh, world. It's uh, honest, and it's definitely hard-earned. You know, when I see the people talking about their um, difficulties of producing wool, managing the stock, etc., etc., it feels like it's a really strong and honest industry. The thing which I um, I want to just talk a little bit about is the the sort of change in the in the consumer market. Uh, this idea that um, digital will take you to paradise in terms of business is uh, something which I hear a lot of brands talking about, and it's really turned consumers' heads. And it's turn, turned consumers' heads back towards themselves, to this world of me, and I think we heard a little bit about that earlier today. The idea that I'm the centre of the universe, not me personally, but probably my kids. Uh, I'm the centre of the universe, and everything that happens in the universe revolves around what I think and what I do. And I think there's um, some interesting things coming out of that. You find that brands are starting to analyse when and where it's best to engage with consumers in a scientific way, uh, almost like a nerdy way. And that's probably um, a result of the people who've generated this digital world. 
you know, if you imagine um, where, they, where these guys come from and what they've, what they've been doing in their bedrooms, it's quite nerdy. So, you know, if you, if you want to engage with people um, regarding clothing or fashion, the best day to do that is Thursday, right? I mean, we can all probably work that one out by ourselves because on Thursday we're getting ready for the weekend, right? And then the next best day is Sunday because we're getting ready to go to work. So if you want to have a conversation with consumers about what they should be wearing, what they should be consuming, Thursdays and Sundays, they're your days according to an algorithm, which is um, pretty cold and boring. I went to art school to learn all about making clothes and stuff like that, which is pretty good fun. But nerds in bedrooms don't turn me on. So, And I found that um, the digital world has let people do things differently. And you find brands are starting to behave like excitable social networks in search of this digital paradise. Um, they create a constant dialogue with strangers they don't even know. And it, they seem to do it in the belief that this is going to generate easy cash and develop a strange sort of loyalty from these people they don't really know. This is an image of um, Balmain, collaboration with H&M. Um, it's a store in London. And I can bet you any amount of cash you want that when H&M and Balmain were considering doing the collaboration, nowhere in the conversation was, let's get a little fat guy with dirty white trainers looking at his iPhone, queuing up to come and buy our amazing product. That was never part of their consideration. Because what they didn't factor in was the abundance that digital creates. These guys here are queuing up to buy this amazing product so they can instantly eBay it and generate their own little economies. So when you're managing a brand, what's really important is to make sure that you know what that activity is going to end up doing for your brand in a market with consumers. And that's why I got to this, uh, the title of my, converse, my conversation with you guys today of who invited you. It might be something that you guys are probably thinking right now, listening to my uh, dulcet tones. <laughs> but um, it's a question which I think brands and also consumers can start to ask themselves. So who did invite you? Well, if you're a consumer, you're going to say, hey, you know what? You came into my life. Remember that? I didn't, uh, I didn't go looking for you. You approached me through the internet and found me and started to have a weird conversation with me. But the thing that's changed about this is that once you enter that person's world, the tables change a little bit. You, you are no longer in control of your brand. What the consumers tend to do is they say, you know, now you're here, you're going to do what I say. And we heard a little bit today about customization, bespoke, making things for individuals. I think those things are amazing when they're done properly. But when they're done en masse and you get a body of people deciding to make a conversation with your brand that isn't what you intended, that can be really harmful for your brand. Because if you don't do what they say, they go and tell all their friends. And a lot of their friends like the idea of belly aching for the sake of it. And you get a load of trolls commenting on your really hard work. And like I say, you've got a reputation that's hard-earned and well-deserved. And if you do do what they say, but you know what, they don't like it, then you get a big thumbs down from those guys. But they'll also tell everyone that Mark Zuckerberg knows. And we know who he is, right? He's the nerd who created Facebook so he could comment on how beautiful people were at Harvard University because he probably couldn't get a great girlfriend. So you've got to be careful what you enter into with the digital world because you never know what's going to happen in terms of your relationships. And you know, you know some pretty scary folks. What's in, what I find really interesting about this image is that this is the latest Facebook conference, let's say. Everyone in there is wearing these sort of virtual reality digital headsets apart from the person in control of the whole environment. So when you enter the digital world, uh, what's really, really important is you know where you're going to end up. 
And I find that a lot of brands would, if they bother to, you know, go through this conversation with me, would be thinking, you know, once upon a time, as brands, we thought we could live forever. This is a, that's a ransom note posted on the internet, by the way, that I just lifted. But, you know, you can sort of say to yourself, how do we get here? How do we get to this place where we no longer really control our destiny as brands? We've handed over everything we've spent a lot of time creating to a consumer base that can make a flippant comment instantaneously about your great hard work and all your effort and investment. Well, you know what? The, today, we communicate with emoticons instantly. My kids are doing it all the time. There's just, they're having a, they must make opinions like nobody's business um, on things that they don't really care about. But those things can start to influence how we think about what we do. And forever means nothing to those people. Speed equals success for them. So you notice that the communication vehicles, the chat rooms, etc., that um, Craig was talking about, the actual ability to have a meaningful conversation is reduced to not only words, but just simple symbols. And a lot of people are talking about how, how the next generation will communicate with the use of imagery and symbols. Again, for me, that is a, a flag to you guys as to do you want to bother to engage in this level of conversation or do you want to try and take people to a different place? So the interesting thing about the, um, the digital world, the digital paradise, if you like, is that it creates some things which are really appealing. Um, I did a little bit of research and I found that um, back in the 50s, there was an image from the International Wool Secretariat of Yves Saint Laurent and another guy who looked pretty um, indistinguishable back then, but it was Karl Lagerfeld. Karl Lagerfeld has uh, utilized the idea of a digital paradise for his brand to, um, to his own benefit. And what it, he's done that by utilizing the the values it creates, so abundance, access, access to everything and everyone, and super fast. He started off about 10 years ago when he did a, the first collaboration with H&M. And he made some new friends, and would imagine generated a hell of a lot of cash for both parties. Um, after doing that, he then decided to, you know, he's got a new playground to play and he's super creative, so he made up uh, his own brand, Carl. He did loads of marketing. Viral marketing, Carl Who, playing the game digitally, having fun, being flippant. It turns that into the good times, right? So you find on, on Netta Porter a whole section on Carl Lagerfeld's diffusion collection, which is nothing like any other diffusion collection that's gone before. It's almost like a, a parody or a pastiche of what, what he stands for. Creating lots of cash all the time. Generates bad times in my eyes can really devalue the value of your brand for people who have been investing in it and allowing you to build in the, in the first instance because it's a real cash play, the digital abundance. And this is the, the thing that I think upsets me the most about this sort of thing is I'm, I'm cool with everyone being able to wear Karl Lagerfeld, right? <laughs> um, but this idea of constant consumption um, creates something which we should all be wary of. This is an image of the, pretty bad image of it, uh, rubbish image, if you like, of the Pacific Trash Vortex. And this is this uh, huge floating body of plastic waste that's been generated by greedy humans, right, over-consuming. This, uh, this big mass of plastic is um, about the size of Texas, a conservative estimation. So somewhere in the North Pacific is this big swirling mass of plastic killing off loads of wildlife. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure how that scales compared to the farm we were listening to the stories about yesterday, but it's pretty big, right, the size of Texas. It's about 700,000 square kilometers. So that gives you some sort of context of what the idea of abundance can do 
to resources that we will be building the next generation of success on. Luckily, this idea isn't for everyone, and some people have got the uh, wherewithal to be sensible about how they consume products, and I think that's uh, an interesting starting point for the next part of the conversation with you guys. So when things are super abundant and things have been debased, and you realize that it's not the market for you to be in, sensible or some brands go back to emphasize their unique values, like heritage. These things are untouchable, and again, today we heard the conversation with the guys on the stage, what does luxury mean? And the word heritage came up. The idea of craft, we've heard a lot of conversations about craft, of artisanal skills um, that take a long time to perfect and appreciate it, and you go through an apprenticeship to learn these things. They create separation from the mass. Authenticity, the way things are made, the process, the experience. Even going back into an heirloom and researching things which no one else has they can create a real separation for luxury brands. They can also inspire other people. This is Nigel Caborn, a guy from the UK who for many years has been inspired by military functional products but executes the product really, really well. So he almost celebrates the idea of uh, the values of, of the great brands that you guys normally engage with. You find the advocates start to establish themselves and communicate amazing provenance stories and backstories about how things are made. This is Inventory Magazine. Um, it's been a champion of the idea of heritage, craft, heirloom, authenticity, uh, artisanal, and uh, provenance. And um, it made it to 11 editions. Unfortunately, just uh, closed recently. But people still adopt the idea of these things as a lifestyle. They're looking for the best things in life, things which set them apart. They don't want to buy cheap fast food. They, they, you know, they build a whole lifestyle around everything they consume. It then becomes a theme, it becomes, in my mind, becomes a theme, great theme for retail, for great merchandising, for telling stories, for building what I call an end-in-mind vision. So as a consumer, if I was into this particular type of product, I would go to a retail destination and be able to buy into loads of pre-edited, amazing product that somebody spent a lot of time researching, and it creates a great theme, and you can be tell beautiful stories through the way you merchandise products. And again, the retail... Stories we heard earlier today talking to that idea of you're giving consumers what you know they already want because you've got a great relationship with them. It can also become an aesthetic, and you guys have utilised an aesthetic, I think, which speaks into these particular qualities um, for your communication tools. And after that, it becomes part of popular culture. And brands like Jack Wills that started off by two guys on a skiing holiday targeting university students with hoodies, decide there's a play for them to make by, yeah, using great material from the UK, but adopting the vernacular of tradition, heritage, craft, heirloom, etc., into their product, which is retailed at a way lower price than the beautiful suits we were hearing about from Xenia earlier today. Then becomes part of a novelty play and this is a, an image from one of those amazing books that you guys produce. And I did a little bit of research on this image. The title for this particular theme or trend was called Wild Man. And I presume it's you know, based on the recent Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Um, but uh, this is for, uh, thanks for that. <laughs> it wasn't a joke, right? <laughs> but hey, <laughs> hey Craig, they say do it. Um, I read a bit of research on the image. This image is from a, a, a novelty greetings card that I might get from my kids for my birthday, which says Wildman on it. So if you paid for this trend research from people supplying it to you, I think you've been hoodwinked. But anyway, 
sorry, my take on life. After that, it becomes, after novelty, it becomes a veneer. Crafted by hand, served over ice. From Starbucks, biggest coffee retailer in the world, right? And after that, it becomes nonsense, because you can get a taste-crafted burger and chicken from McDonald's. <laughs> and so all those things that you guys worked so hard to create and to celebrate and to create separation with have now become exactly the same as the frenzy created by Karl Lagerfeld and H&M all those years ago. So this is what I would call the culture of whatever generation it is, I don't really care. Earn nothing, take everything. And that's the speed at which things can get destroyed today, like, a bit like wildfire. Um, so as you manage your way through the, the, uh, the digital paradise, if you like, you need to be really careful what you promote. So you can rely on your um, heritage you want, but believe you me, there's no digital get-rich-quick scheme that you can buy straight into. That is the world of people who do sit in bedrooms working on like computer programs and then creating massive like, networks, etc., etc. We all buy into they're, they're creating tools which facilitate a faster cadence of consumption of trends of culture, etc. They can make some cash by advertising, but if you're making something, there's no digital get-rich-quick scheme, so be aware of that. Me culture, not about me, about people who are self-centered, uh, may not be the one for you guys, right? So you don't need to play with those people if you don't want to. Don't rely on your existing story, your beautiful heritage, your sense of provenance and where things come from to pull it through. I've just shown you how those things get burnt. You know, you've got a Xenia, a me eating a McDonald's, what the hell? <laughs> you need something else to rely on. Um, consumers, this is really important as well, consumers will consume, oh, sorry, assume control of your brand if you don't. Um, I said to a few guys, if I see another sheep, what the hell, you know, let's make an effort here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to talk a bit about that in a minute. So that's, that to me is the state of the play. Um, the world that you guys exist in looks and feels like that to me. I mean, that's just my perception of it. If you didn't notice it before, maybe it might sound a bit more familiar to you now, but um, I want to present some ideas about what I think you could do to change that. So, first idea um, against the, the sort of like observation of there's no digital get-rich-quick scheme is stop tweeting and do something of purpose. It would be far more beneficial for you and for the consumer you're speaking to. I don't know. I just got lucky. Yesterday's headlines from the Telegraph. Is this your, you're like a prime minister, this guy? Premier, okay. You know, he's got his selfie stick. He's, he's done what I think uh, I'm going to call falling into the digital vacuum. He believes that by having somebody go on tour with him to a foreign country on diplomatic duty, to have somebody documenting his every move and posting it online is going to make him into a great premier. I think he got that one wrong. You don't have to be everything to everyone all the time. You've got to do what's right for you and don't feel obliged to apologise. There's a little bit of this conversation yesterday, what do you do when consumers say this? Well, you know what? If it's not the consumer for you, you don't have to do anything. You know, you should enjoy it when some consumers feel left out. It means that you're special. It means that you can have a great conversation with somebody who wants to hear what you want to say. Because if you try and please everyone, you might find that some of the consumers aren't your consumers anyway. Yeah. Right? Okay, don't be... A the next, oh, the next sort of observation I've got is like, don't be a victim of active inertia. And as a creative person, I'm always reading the Harvard Business Review. And this is a, an article from 1999, so predating a lot of this digital frenzy. Um, 
about how or why com good companies go bad. And um, active inertia is the idea that you will spend your energy doing the same thing again and again. We know what inertia is, right? Inertia is something which can't be moved from the direction in which it's traveling or it's, sta or it's static. So if you're putting your energy into continuing with the same conversation with consumers, you become a victim of this. And the, this article's in 1999. The two examples they gave in the article were Firestone Tires, who were the major US tire supplier who fell victim to Michelin, entering the US market with radial tires, but also Laura Ashley, created in Wales, paying people high salaries in their kitchen table, printing away. And they had a really hard time in the, um, I think like 1998, 99, and uh, they suffered this little bit of like active inertia. They kept on doing the same thing, projecting the image of like the fair English lady writing poetry and picking strawberries in her garden, whilst women were actually joining the workplace um, and being promoted to higher positions where they couldn't flounce around in beautiful Victorian-style dresses. So um, active inertia is something you guys should be really cognizant of. And part of that, in my mind, would be to have the confidence to do something which the future laboratory, a trend and consumer, um, organization out of the UK call a f do a full stop on a great campaign. It takes balls doing that, right? But this is what I think I see a lot of with you guys, and you can throw me out, and this could be the last time you ever see me, <laughs> and we might all be saying, Why, who invited you? But this is how I would see that looking if it was for BMW. So BMW have got this amazing car. It's electric. It's super cool. It's very sporty. It's going to make me look fast. It's all about desire, that image. But if they did what you guys do, they might put a rubber plant in front of it because they've got rubber tires, right? I'm not going to do this. Right? <laughs> or if it was another, <laughs> another great, greater brand, um, you know, super honest um, polit guy with a politician, potentially, with a great head of hair. It's bullshit, right? Oh, did I get those slides the wrong way around? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's better, yeah. Um, so, we all know what sheep look like, right? So that's an ingredient of this image. And it's important for you guys, it's part of your brand. But I'm not sure the consumer needs to know that all the time. Your opportunity, I think, is to create a real legacy. And it's not only an opportunity, it's your responsibility. And again, yesterday, uh, we heard those amazing stories about the, the sheep farm, etc., and handing over to the next generation of farmers on that farm. Well, I, I agree with that in principle, but I also think it's our responsibility right now to start to build a legacy. So let's stop looking back at our provenance. Yeah, it comes from a little four-legged furry animal, right? And let's start to project forward and create a legacy. Because I think this image without the sheep in it is way more powerful and if there was a little underscore in there which, which spoke into the idea of it being wool, even better. You've got an amazing logo. I'd rather see that on there, and it was on the original, right? I just took it off, than the sheep. So the, the next big opportunity, I think, and um, the one which I think is most important, because it's part of my business, right, is um, for you guys to be at the forefront of the next great design or creative era, and there was a lot of conversation today, again, about luxury and provenance and blah, 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 and this and that, and, you know, being exclusive and limited access. Um, I think that design and creativity 
when they're applied appropriately, are the real separators when it comes to creating luxury and creating desire. And they should be employed appropriately. This is um, what I think you're going to start to see more and more of. This is what I would call zero provenance design. There's nothing on there that says established, nothing on there says like old-fashioned, nothing on there says like you've seen it before, nothing on there says it's the finest materials. It's great design. This is um, what I'd call next-generation design for Bombay Electric, one of the key luxury retailers in super emerging market of India. And their branding and the look and feel of their brand says nothing at all about provenance, but it's starting to create a new luxury language. And that's something I think you guys could do, really capitalize on and be at the forefront of this conversation with consumers in the luxury market. This is another company which I um, really, really like. It's, uh, it's a building in, um, in China by a Chinese architects firm called MAD. And they, they were commissioned, I think, to do the George Lucas Museum in the States. But they take a totally different perspective on the way they create buildings, influenced by Zaha Hadid, who just recently passed away, unfortunately. But they've almost like taken her aesthetic onto the next level. And I love the fact that they're from China, where we don't really expect them to be moving at the same pace, that we're going to move in the West as fast as we do. But they, they take an idea and they like really run with it. Very, very sophisticated. This one's for Stuart. Can you help me out with this last, Stuart? No pastry, right? So uh, this, is, um, this is another one of their products. Right? It's really simple, really playful, no provenance. It's just next generation creative thinking, a luxury dogmat in the shape of a piece of meat. It's kind of cool and playful. So I think that you guys... Um, need to make sure you control your brand image and establish innovative, creative concepts for specific sectors and build a strong plan. Again, when I walk in the room here, and I know this is an internal meeting and it's industry-facing and internal-facing, I walk in here and the subject matter could be spark plugs, right? There's, there's, the, there's a thing that you get the stuff from featured all over the show, but there's not the potential of what it can do for consumers showcased here. And I think that to evolve your brand and take ownership of it and inspire more people to engage with wool. And I saw you know, Craig frustratedly saying that, well, people at Adidas say that you know, the methane from sheep's farting is worse than cows farting, and therefore, is it a good thing to do? You can get rid of all that crap by just having really, really strong, emotional, innovative, conceptual, targeted campaigns and, uh, and plans. I'd rather, you know, if you ever want to invite me back here, I don't know, right? But um, I'd rather walk in this room and see opportunities highlighted of what the sheep has let people do creatively. So what if you were to have a publication that was about living and it captured everything to do with interiors from amazing wool bedding through to beautiful um, upholstery materials? What if you, had, you can't see the second slide, it says active. What if you were to have a document that was all about sport and how wool could be utilised in sport, showing the end user in amazing environments, utilising killer products. Craig spoke about the idea of travelling. What if you were to have a publication called Voyage, and it showed people in amazing locations. I've just come from Thailand, and that's where I was staying, um, on, the, on that image there. Um, showing people there, utilising wool in hot climates, in cold climates, wherever they would be, but telling a really aspirational story about how, how wool enhances that experience. 
And whatever you see, have a document called Build, which showed how wool could enhance architecture. So those are four things which aren't anything to do with fashion or menswear or suiting. The, you could add those things to those easily, right? I'm just going to show you something. So I, I got the bag, same as everyone else, right? And in the bag, dude. In the bag, my glasses weren't in the bag, but in the bag, I'm, I'm potentially a big spending consumer on wool products, and there was two pages, this side of this page and this side of this page, which were worthy of being consumer-facing. Out of the 500 pages that amazing companies have produced to tell each other things they probably already knew about wool for this meeting, that to me is embarrassing, right? Because you could have put all that effort as a collaborative group into producing an amazing document. You might like this magazine or not. It's informative. It talks into design, business, culture, different moments. Luckily, this edition's about Australia, right? <laughs> Keep on getting lucky with this. But this is 250 pages of really insightful information and lots of high-spending advertising in there. What if you guys were to get together and collaborate on something that would create a really great communication tool so that every time you came to one of these conferences, you're actually getting this for free, but me, down the local news agent, I was paying £10 for it, £15 for it, and it was full of stories, amazing stories about wool. That, to me, would be a slight sea change for you guys to just do something like that. So, again, like, collaborate across, across your industry. So, you know, all the boats rise at the same time, right? Work with external talent and don't jump on any of the latest bandwagons because I think you're going to get, you get burnt if you do that. I know that for a fact. Um, my challenge to you guys is to go and build your legacy. Thank you very much indeed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. IWTO will be in Harrogate, North Yorkshire for its 86th Annual Congress with another group of experts from industry and retail. To learn more about Wool or to join us at the Congress, visit the IWTO website at iwto.org or connect with IWTO on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. 